Hello, this is Bob Fick. There was a technical issue for the February 7th recording, and only half of the teaching was recorded that morning. Please listen to the Bozeman Campus podcast to hear the first half of the teaching. But here's Lucas with the second half of the Gray Falls Campus teaching from February 7th, 2016. Is essential for survival of the church in the world. And these stats kind of really threw me. We started looking at uh, the number of churches to the ratio of Americans just in the United States and kind of gives a little church history, and I didn't know this, but um, in 1820, there was one church for every 875 Americans. Okay, so that would probably work. But there were many Christians that didn't feel like this would do the job, and so they pushed for a very aggressive church planting movement. By 1900, there was one church for every 430 Americans. Well, that's pretty cool. You know, more churches, more places people can celebrate, more accessible. Um, I don't know if any of you lived back then, but uh, probably not. But vehicles weren't quite as good back then. Um, Most people had their feet and horses, and so getting to church was a little tougher. So I could see value in churches being a little bit closer. And then in 2000, though, we see something sad. There was one church, and for every 909 Americans. So we see this big kind of pyramid that happens. And here's another way of visualizing this, guys. Back in 1776, church involvement was 17%. Church involvement in 1916, after the big push, 53%. And I remember as a kid, like, And even today, people will be like, wow, back in the 50s, back in the 40s, 60s, it's what people did. They went to church. The culture's different now. And you hear all this, but we see that it follows. Yeah, there was a point where people went to church. Church involvement today, though, unfortunately, less than 18%. There's some crazy stuff happening in the world. I don't know if this is related at all, but it just might be. In the last decade, the irony of this is, is the American population grew by 11%. And during that same period, church attendance declined by 9.5%. More people, less people in church. So to keep up with the current population growth, the U.S. would have needed 38,000 new churches. Instead, every year, 4,000 churches are closing their doors in the United States. Good news is, there's 1,000 new churches being launched every year in the United States. Do the math, though. 4,000 minus 1,000, that's a net loss of 3,000. And a really sad statistic is, in the last two years, 50% of all churches did not add a single new member. We think about worldview. We think about, well, the United States was founded on Christianity. This is where people are. Found another statistic that really hurt. The U.S. is now third behind China and India with number of people that are not professing Christians. And that blew me away. A country that was founded on Christianity, that the principles were supposed to live throughout everything we did, and we're now third in the whole world. People that are not professing Christians. What's that tell you? We're just becoming an ever-increasing number of unchurched people. And so, what does Connect believe? Hey, just like back when the big push happened, 
We need to plant more churches. We need to reach more people. Go out and get them. Go out and find them. Connect, please. We need to get back in the boat with Jesus. Multiply multiply disciples. Multiply leaders. Multiply churches. And why do we believe this, guys? Because people's eternity depends on it. We've got to find a way to reach people at the corner of every corner of the earth. If you guys want to jump to Matthew 5.13, we're going to look at a story there. One of the reasons that I believe churches aren't reaching people goes right along with what happens in Matthew 5.13. In ancient biblical world, salt was a very precious commodity. It gave flavor and zest to food. It made it good. It served as an important preservative. You had to have salt to preserve things so that it wouldn't go bad on you. Salt also makes people thirst for more. I get thirsty up here talking. If I had a salt shaker or there was salt in this water, I'd be a lot thirstier. Jesus, in Matthew 5.13, wanted his disciples to give flavor and zest to the world through his teaching, to preserve truth as he proclaimed it to the world, to make the world thirst for more. And here's what it says. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt lost its taste... How shall saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. When salt loses its saltiness, guys, what's God say it's good for? Nothing except to be trampled underneath people's feet. With a net loss of 3,000 churches a year, I'd have to say that the church as a whole is getting trampled on under people's feet. The culture, the world, a lot of them just can't simply taste the salt on us anymore. We're no good. doesn't mean we've lost our salvation or that we don't love Jesus, but we have lost our saltiness. So how do we change that? How do we change the world? In a declining state where things are starting to slip, things are starting to slide, we can turn on the news real quick and see a million needs for Jesus. How do we help people thirst for something more than what the world offers? I don't know how many things a day hit you where you're like, wow, that is awesome. And Ricky mentioned it earlier when he was up here. You know, loving Jesus, being a disciple of Jesus, it's a discipline. It takes work. And it's not that we're trying to set out this checklist of things that you have to do to prove your love to Jesus. It's that we have an end goal in sight. We want people to experience Jesus, know who Jesus is, and to have the same experiences we've had, that same freedom that I talked about earlier, to where they're excited. They're not under a burden anymore. So we have this end goal in sight, so we do certain things. Ricky mentioned working out. If I want to be in great physical shape, again, there's certain things I'm going to do. It's not a checklist. I want to reach that goal. Christians, there's things we can do reading our Bibles, praying, fasting, serving others, hitting the world that we can do to reach that end goal that put us in a place closer to God where he's speaking to us, we're hearing from him. I say it a lot. Bible, primary way God speaks to us today. If you're not hearing from God, I will be very bold and say, you're not opening up your Bible. Why do we not know what God wants us to do? It's all there. 
Everything that we're supposed to do, how we share it, it's all there. So how do we help the world thirst for something more? Well, Jesus gave us a game plan. Matthew five fourteen through 16, it says this, You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to who? To the Father who is in heaven. How do people taste God on you? Do they say, wow, that person's a Christian? They're awesome? They're different from the rest of the world? There's something exciting about them? That guy's got something that I want? He has a freedom, a look in his eye that's just cool? How do you take the bucket off the lamp and set it out there for everybody to see? That's a question that challenges me every day. And I pray. I'm like, God, just show me the opportunities. Don't let me walk by the opportunities to share the light that you've given me with the rest of the world. Soften my heart. Soften my mind. Open my eyes. Let me share that. And we're going to go through some couple practical things. But I remember back in 2001... I was in college in Bozeman. And this is a really bad joke, but that's how I know my light wasn't shining. I was in college in Bozeman, Montana State University. I'm sorry. I don't know what I was doing there. God's forgiven me. I hope everybody will too for me going down there. But September 11th, 2001, I was teaching the bowling classes down there. I love bowling. And I had to be at my first class at 8 o'clock that morning. So to teach, so I get ready and I head out and it's like 7.30 and I'm walking through, you know, all the commons areas and I reach the sub building, Strand Union building there and uh, go into the rec center and immediate when I walked in, all the TVs were on and there were people gathered around these TVs and I was like, whoa, what's going on? You know, and I I feel the same chills right now that I felt that day. I was like, "Uh uh-oh, this isn't good. People don't gather around something unless it's really, really awesome or really, really bad. And I started watching the videos that were on there. And I'm seeing an airplane crash into one of the Twin Towers in New York City and these buildings coming down. And immediately, something clicked on inside of me. I was like, this is not right. This is not cool. I probably don't know any people in there. I probably don't have any family. But people are dying, perishing. And it just started resonating with me. Something had to be done. I believe that's something that God gave me, like a desire for justice, for things to be right. And I just watched that, and I was torn apart. And I believe that event caused many people to turn to God for answers, for comfort, and for wisdom. Open your eyes, open them and close your eyes.
we said, our thoughts and prayers are with those families and those injured and those who are the casualties of today's attack. We also remember those thousands of people who are rescue workers. We ask now that we all bow our heads in a moment of silence and remembrance. They took a moment of silence here. And so often that's exactly what the church does is we take a moment of silence. Why aren't they praying? Why aren't they shouting to God? Fasting, we read through the Bible and it just sticks with me. But then something really neat happens as Congress is about to take off here. And if you, if you don't remember this or you haven't seen it, it's kind of cool. And I'm not here to mess with you guys' emotions or to, you know, breed anger or sadness or any of that. But like I said, when, when things happen that people gather around, come together in unity, it's because it was really, really good or really, really bad. That was really bad. But like I said, and I believe in those moments of terror, people are like, we got to do something. There's something wrong. There's something else that we need to do. And a lot of times people turn to God in those moments, just like these guys did. God bless America. They have to end the song. That's kind of cool. So what do we do with this? Well, why do we want to plant churches? Truth is, there's a moment of terror coming. And there's two types of children the Bible talks about. There's the children of God, and there's the children of the devil. And they have very distinct homes, different homes, in the end. And I do. I love people. If you hang around me very often, if I get to know you, it's not long before either I'm hanging out in your house or you're hanging out in mine. We're playing games. We're sharing dinner. We're sharing meals. And I do. I love people. And there's people in my life that it just hurts to think that they're going to spend eternity somewhere crazy, somewhere that I don't even like to talk about, that I hardly even like to mention in church. And I don't know why that is, because Jesus spoke of hell more than he spoke of heaven. So why am I afraid? Well, the truth is, is I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable, and I don't want to deal with the thoughts that something very tragic, more tragic than 9-11 is going to happen at one point if we don't reach the world if we don't have a saltiness to us, if we don't get in the boat with Jesus, and we need to be. 
Jesus talks about being the salt and light in this world. How salty are you? How do people taste that on you? Ricky referenced our men's group. And he reminded us this Wednesday or as we were preparing or Tuesday about ways that we can be salt. Well, that men's group meets in Faster Bassett. It doesn't meet here at the church. It doesn't meet in my house where just the Christian people that are going to show up see it. It meets at Faster Bassett in public. We pray in public. We have our Bibles open in public. It led to a neat conversation with a lady that works there that's going through some very hard times right now. And Ricky reminded me of this. He saw it just a few weeks ago. I had the opportunity as she was working to pray with her. It didn't matter who else was there or who was standing in line waiting for their coffee. At that moment, she had a need. I didn't have anything to help that need. I can't heal her child, but I do know who Dan. And I was taking it. And I don't say that to esteem myself, but I know Ricky saw it that day, and he reminded me. He's like, that's what it's about. And so many times, people, and this is on the very, very least level, we run into people who have problems, who have mountains in front of them that are bigger than anything we want to deal with. And what's our common response? I'll pray for you. (laughs) Right then, right there, drop it. All the other things you have going on, why not pray for them there? Well, people might be watching. People might see it. People might, no, that's just one way that we can be salt. Stop and take that need right in public, wherever you are. The long line of coffee wanders behind you and pray that for that person. It doesn't have to be something big. Lord, help this woman, help her comfort her, help her child. You know, I don't know what to do, God, but you do. I love you and I praise you and I say this in Jesus' name, amen. You know, something simple. It doesn't take a lot of words, but how else are we going to be the salt in this world? Go out, reach them, impact them. It's not going to happen if we stay here. We got elections coming up and everybody's all jumping all over everything about who our next president's going to be. And they're all excited. They're excited like the kingdom of God is going to arrive on Air Force One. It doesn't happen that way. No leader is going to come into the United States and make this a Christian nation again. It starts right here with us, our saltiness, and whether we're willing, whether we, and I'll say it, love people enough to get out of our comfort zone and go share Jesus with them. And that's why we have to plant more churches. That's why we're going to make more disciples. That's why we're going to make more leaders. And we're going to plant more churches. And I don't know where everybody is in their walk. I don't know. Maybe you've never experienced experienced God's grace and forgiveness. And I'm not going to say that there's a prayer that we can pray that gives you that, you know, that saves you this day and you're forever saved. But I will tell you, if you put your faith, your trust in everything you read in the Bible and in Jesus Christ, he will give that to you. If you seek him, it says you will find him. I can't do that for you. So go find God. Find him in your Bible. Listen to him. Beg to hear from him. If that's you today, we have some people that would love to pray with you. They'll be over against the wall and start that relationship with with Jesus. If you have other mountains that you need to conquer, we would love to pray for you. We have a prayer team. They're making their way over now. Go over. Lay those feet, those requests down. They're going to take it to Jesus. There's no better place for it, guys. It's easy to be salty here. It's easy to pray for people here. And then we want to take it out. Ryan's got a worship song for us during prayer time. Lift those needs up. Come see us. We'd love to pray for you guys. Father God, we do. We just love you. And we thank you for the work you've done in our lives. 
We thank you for the places you've taken us from and the new, abundant, amazing life you've given us, Lord. And we just pray that all would come to know you, Lord, that we'd be open to the opportunity to share your greatness, the forgiveness, the mercy, all that you have to offer, Lord. And we just pray for those opportunities to come our way and to be prepared when they do, Lord. We thank you for being able to gather here today freely celebrating all you've done. And Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, guys, we just appreciate you coming out today. And we'd always have next steps, things you can do to take today's message. And I'll just share those real quick with you. And the first one is to join a connection group. That's where we take everyday struggles deeper. We get into the Word of God together. We have relationships. We don't do this thing called life alone. We plug in. Two people are stronger than one. A cord of three cannot be broken. And we want people to experience that, carry each other's burdens. Last night, we had an awesome opportunity to come along Kitty and Eddie and the struggles they're going through. And it just blows me away how God works. We had a little fundraiser here and uh, spaghetti feed. The spaghetti feed brought in like 1200 bucks. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, God did this. It's just, it's just awesome. But not only that, Harvest Springs called up and they had a sportsman's banquet a couple weeks ago. And it was something that I'd like to say that I helped put together back in the beginning. But the one year that I disappeared, get out of the way, get out of the way and then let God do his thing. Um, I wasn't here for it. They called me and said, hey, is there a family that you might know of that is in need? And I was like, yeah. And uh, they're like, well, we have one family here and we have a family from Echoes Pregnancy Center. And, and we were just really, and this was before they got all this stuff. They said, we really believe God's going to provide for one more family. Um, and in the past, we'd only had enough provision for one family and just barely. And this year, when he called me up after it, and I'm like, so how'd it go? And he's like, oh man, you wouldn't believe it. 83 people showed up for this. And uh, we've got three freezers full of meat that we want to give to these families, brand new freezers. And I was like, whoa, that's awesome. And he's like, but then we raised $2,300. And so last night we were able, because of the church not being stuck within this walls, it being one church, reaching out and meeting needs of other people, carrying each other's burdens, we were able to help out Kitty and Eddie even more through them with a $200 gas card that they gave and a $580 Walmart gift card. So I don't know if that helps relieve the burden, but last night Kitty and Eddie, I mean, they were in tears. But that's just how God moves through his people when their hearts are soft. And, you know, so rent's taken care of, utilities are taken care of, gas and food. Meanwhile, it gives Kitty more time to you know, find another job and, and go on now that her back surgery is healed. And, and we just spent the night last night praising God for what he's doing through his people. So gather with God's people. See what happens. The other thing we can do is pair up. If you're not into reading the Bible alone, start doing this with somebody. Iron sharpens iron. We have a bunch of small groups up there, guys. Um, connection groups, I, I should say. And, uh, but pair up one by one, two by two. Find somebody to hold you accountable. There's a bunch of guys in this room. One's Nolan who showed up here. He's been punching me for five years now, you know, encouraging me while I walk with Jesus, and I just love it. If you're a leader and you, or you have some sort of skills where you can share something with other people, start apprenticing them. Let them see Jesus' light through how you do everything in your life. And then 
please start praying for the next campus, for the disciples, for the leaders, and for the next campus that we get to open someday. That's on God's schedule. We don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know who the leader will be or who the pastor will be. We don't know where it's going to be planted. But we do know that in Acts, the book of Acts, there was a lot of churches planted. So please be praying for that. And then next week is our last uh, message in this series. Please join us for that. And uh, yeah, just be part of Jesus' mission, making disciples, making leaders, and hopefully some new churches in the future.